Hi, welcome to Culturally Determined. I'm your host, Arya Cohen-Wade, and my guest today is Will Summer. Will, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Will Summer. I'm a politics reporter at The Daily Beast. I, I uh, co-host a podcast called Fever Dreams about the, the right-wing internet and media. And I'm the author of Trust the Plan, The Rise of QAnon, and The Conspiracy That Unhinged America. Thanks so much for coming back on, and congratulations on the book. So the last time you were on this show uh, was about five years ago. It was, let's see, it was July 2018. And the this show was on the blogging news platform at that time. And we talked about a couple, you know, unusual things happening in the online right. We talked about the cartoonist Ben Garrison. Um, we talked about the Seth Rich case, how the, the Mueller probe uh, indictments affected that. And we also talked about this new strange phenomenon called QAnon. And I rewatched re a bit of that episode uh, earlier today. And in some ways, it's quite quaint how we talk about this thing. And in other ways, it's very prescient. And, and you say we're going down the rabbit hole to like sort of explain what this weird thing is. And um, there's a so, you know, people left comments on on blogging heads and there was uh, someone who commented, uh, don't be distracted by that Q shit. People have been doing that for a long time. They bring a lot more to the table than Q. So, so you know, at least someone five years ago was like, hey, you know, what is this nonsense? This <laughs> thing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who cares about all this shit? Um, so you were definitely ahead of the curve when it came to paying attention to this in particular, but your beat had long been sort of unusual things happening on the right, the far right, the online right. And yeah, I mean, so now probably everyone, you know, back then we were explaining, and I actually said, how do you pronounce this? Because I, I don't think I'd ever heard it spoken aloud before. So now every, probably everyone in America knows about QAnon because, <laughs> uh, because of January 6th and other, you know, strange events that have happened in America in the past couple of years. Okay, so yeah, you were really on this beat before almost any other mainstream reporter was. Um, and, and now you have the, the book, Trust the Plan. Okay, I, yeah, I mean, just with that prologue, yeah, it's been a strange couple of years. Like, how do you how do you look back on, <laughs> on this, and why this as opposed to some of the other weird things that were happening on the right? Why do you why do you think QAnon is what took off, and now everyone in America knows about it? You know, it it is so interesting. I mean, as you said, I mean, I, I was following QAnon really within its first couple months, and it kicked off in October 2017 with these anonymous clues from this figure named Q, and. I thought, you know, I, I, I covered Pizzagate, uh, which is sort of a QAnon precursor, and I co covered other these other movements that led up to it. Um, but when I would go to these QAnon events, uh, I went to one in April 2018, where a couple hundred QAnon believers marched in the streets of DC, and, you know, they went to the Justice Department and yelled at them and stuff like this. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. This is not going to get any bigger than this. Um, <laughs> and, you know, as, you know, I, I'll just file this away as a weird experience. Um, but it really, it kept growing. And and as you said, I mean, really up to January 6th. And what I, what I hope to get across in the book is that this isn't just a sort of a weird internet thing people can brush off um, or that, that, you know, I think the average citizen who's interested in politics and our democracy can can sort of safely put put in a file and, and decide they don't have to be concerned about. I mean, I think QAnon and, and more broadly, this sort of conspiracy culture on the right uh, has really become you know, just really ever present in the Republican Party. And I think it's going to continue to pose issues, issues for the country going forward. Yeah. And, and in that conversation from five years ago, I say, do you have any idea what's like where this is going? And you say it's going to fizzle eventually. So that may still happen, but it obviously hasn't fizzled yet. And despite, you know, everything <laughs> that has happened and, you know, none of the predictions or whatever forecasts of this mysterious figure you know what was gonna happen like not, not you know so there's a bit of a um i don't know if you reference this book specifically but there's a book called when prophecy fails or something like oh, that sure that is, mm -hmm. yeah study of like you know apocalyptic cult sort of things or people who are predicting the world is gonna end and then the world doesn't end and what happens afterwards and sometimes they say oh well you know actually the world like i miscalculated it's really gonna be like 18 months from now but of course <laughs> the apocalypse hasn't come yet. And so what what happens next? So yeah, well, let's see. Why do you think so seemingly I thought January 6th would have been a real like okay, 
this is this is the turning point like this this is this is over basically and that basically i i think q himself has not posted since then uh q popped q has popped up a little bit uh last year and sort of you know sort of weighed in um but but it it, it really hasn't been um i think q q and sort of moved on without q i mean th- there's no longer really this this reliance on q's messages right which is interesting i mean it's sort of like yeah the founder of the cult dies or or goes into a period of occlusion or disappears or something and then the followers are like now it's our turn to carry on the message sort of thing i mean you can yeah it's like a like jesus died and then the followers took it upon themselves to spread the message like that's sort of something like that obviously that's a insane comparison to make but like yeah i mean sort of the phase we're in now is you know what i call in the books q non without q i mean I think as you said, I mean, you talk about these moments when prophecy fails. I mean, the, the first QAnon clue was Hillary Clinton's going to be arrested October 2017, uh, you know, by, by the end of the week or the end of the month. Uh, and obviously that didn't happen. And so, you know, one thing I thought was I wanted to get into in the book is this fascinating aspect of human psychology where, you know, this is obviously fake and it is continuing to be proven fake. Even if even if you give it the so many benefits of the doubt, it is continually proven to be fake. Um, and how do QAnon believers get around that? Uh, and the reality is they often, you know, sort of invent these new explanations. So in the case of Hillary Clinton, they say, well, she was arrested, um, but that Hillary Clinton you see on a book tour, that's not the real Hillary Clinton. That's a clone, right? right. Or she's maybe her pant leg looks weird. She's wearing a an ankle monitor because, you know, she's under house arrest. But, you know, in, in the case of January 6th, I mean, that was the day that a lot of QAnon believers, including some who died that day, uh, thought would mark the storm, sort of the, the apocalyptic moment uh, where Donald Trump would become dictator for life and usher in a utopia, uh, or at least as they see it, a utopia. Um, and instead, of course, that failed. But then, you know, they say, well, maybe it's going to be Inauguration Day because I can't help but notice that, you know, now there are all these soldiers in, in D.C. and they put up all these fences. And, you know, for the average person, the explanation for that is pretty simple. It's because they did January 6th, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not hard to understand why suddenly all these soldiers came in. But they thought, well, maybe the soldiers are going to arrest Biden. Um, and then when Biden was inaugurated, I mean, that was probably the biggest blow to the QAnon belief system that had yet happened because they needed Trump to be president to take on the cabal. But then they kind of regrouped and they said, well, you know, maybe Biden's presidency is being filmed at Tyler Perry studios in Atlanta, or, <laughs> you know, this sign fell down at a press conference. That means it's all a soundstage and all this stuff. And really, I mean, it's, it's chugging right along. It's sort of, I mean, it's sort of incredible. Yeah. So to get back to that initial thing about Hillary Clinton being arrested and, you know, sent to Guantanamo be tried. And then that was like what maybe the first like concrete prediction that Hugh made and that, you know, seemingly did not happen. And then the explanation, yeah, was the one who's walking around is the clone. And so sort of like right from the start, you know, previous conspiracy theories that have been prominent in America, like JFK conspiracy theories, like JFK actually did die. Um, and there were strange circumstances about that. So there was like some question here about like who, you know, I, a non-crazy person could question who, you know, shot the gun or something. But like once you are accepting, oh, this is the clone, then like you've moved beyond reality and rationality. Like you're accepting like not only do like, like the government has like a cloning program that no, that it's kept secret. Like it, it's into the realm of fantasy or science fiction or something like right from the jump. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you're, you're, you're nodding at something that, that I try to grapple with as well, which is that, you know, when, when you're trying to, when you're pointing out the, the obvious falsities in QAnon and and its and its absurdities, you don't want to say, look, you know, no, I I, I don't believe, uh, you know, powerful people never abuse children or that, um, or vulnerable people or that, um, or that there have been no genuine conspiracies. Uh, you know, you mentioned the JFK assassination. I mean, it's the it's this this leap that they make, as you say, where it, it's then okay, um, Jeffrey Epstein's death is is mysterious, and there are a lot of unanswered questions about it. Therefore, you know, I'm going to spend a couple days online and come to believe that Hillary Clinton eats children in the basement of a Washington pizzeria. And it's that sort of, I mean, 
she, she's not a QAnon believer as far as, well, I guess she's sort of a QAnon believer, but I talked to the woman who, um, you know, the Dominion Fox News trial has been in the news a lot lately. Mm-hmm. And so I, I talked to the woman whose email appears to have been the basis oh, yes, for yes. a Marita, Maria Bartiromo segment that sort of kicked off a lot of the Dominion stuff off uh, and, and sort of got Fox and all this hot water. And it was, she just sort of existed, you know, she claimed Antonin Scalia was killed in a human hunting exp- expedition, like in the most dangerous game. And all this stuff. And she sort of existed in a world just beyond what we would consider like empirical evidence. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, you know, where did you get this evidence? And, you know, I thought she would say, I read it on a blog, right? I mean, that would be bad enough. But she said, well, you know, I get coded messages through the radio or I get I overhear people talking at the supermarket. And, and that I, you know, it's these these codes that I kind of weave in and out. Or, or I think of the QAnon believers who think that they can divine messages from uh, associating numbers with letters. So they take a look at the phrase, uh, you know, the storm is coming and they, they assign numbers and they say, Oh my God, that's the same number as uh, the phrase Donald Trump inauguration or, you know, what have you. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, we're, we're really dealing with people who don't exist in our realm of, of evidence really in any way. Right. So, so someone who says, you know, I receive coded messages through the radio or something like that, you know, that sort of person, we would think, you know, maybe a schizophrenic or something. Um, a, a person who claims that the CIA has a secret message for them that they only they can hear, like this is a trope in American culture, but you, but it's an insane, you know, person who is mentally unwell and needs some sort of treatment or, or hasn't been taking their medications or something like that. That sort of person is, is able to amass influence online. Like that, that's very strange. I mean, the stuff with the numbers is and secret codes is interesting because like that goes way back and there's some word for it that I'm probably mispronouncing or not getting right. It's like gemat- gematria or G- something. Gematria. Yeah. And and it's, it's guaranteed that whatever we say is the wrong pronunciation. I've, <laughs> I've heard from, you know, it's, it's, it's either gematria, gematria, you know, and, yeah. and I, I, whenever I say it, I hear from people who say I'm wrong and, and I'm, I'm sure they're right, but, it, but you know, it's, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Which I think goes back to like Talmudic studies and assigning numbers to, to letters because in ancient Hebrew, there weren't numbers, like the numbers served as letters. And so, you know, there's parts of this, I'm Jewish, there are parts of this that are part of Jewish culture of 18 is the translation or the translation of, of the word for life is 18. And so you give like a bar mitzvah boy a check for, you know, $72 because that's a multiple of 18. Like, so that sort of thing has been in the culture. And there was this book, The Bible Code that came out in the late 90s that is sort of a similar thing of like looking for secret messages or codes or something in human, you know, human psychology that is looking for patterns and trying to figure out if there's some hidden pattern or connection, various things. But yeah, all this stuff really just took it to insane levels. And yeah, because Q is like the 17th letter of the alphabet. If Trump sent a tweet at like 517 at, in the evening, then that was a way of signaling to the followers that Q is real or something when Trump is sending tweets constantly. So about one in 60, you're going to be on the 17th Yeah, I mean, it, 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 yeah, as you say, I mean, there's all these, there is so much numerical or, or there's such a straining. I mean, I guess the way to pull this back is there's such a straining in QAnon and, and it's sort of related belief systems for any actual proof because there is no genuine evidence of it. And so you have these things where it's like every time Trump would tweet at, you know, the 17 minutes uh, on the clock that, you know, Q is the 17th letter of the alphabet. And so this would be like, oh, my God, it's all true. We were right. Now, as you said, Trump used to tweet all the time. And so, you know, if, if you're going to look at the history of his tweets, some of them are going to be at 17 minutes. And so, I mean, there is that aspect of it. I mean, they would look at his hand signals and say, well, or excuse me, I, I mean, I'm buying into it, describing them as hand signals, his hand motions. And they would say, well, he kind of made a circle and, you know, a circle <laughs> kind of looks like a Q. Yeah. So maybe it's a Q. Whereas, you know, the, the actual evidence of it, which would be, yes, Hillary Clinton has been arrested, uh, you know, for drinking children's blood. Uh, they're, they're obviously, they never got close to that. Um, so one revelation, not, not a revolution you did not come up with, but you talk about it in the book and credit this documentary that came out roughly a year ago, uh, made a pretty good case for who QAnon actually is. Um, the the origin, or maybe not the original originator, the person who like the person, the pair of people who took over the account, and it's these a father and son named Jim and Ron Watkins, and they were living in the Philippines, I think. What, yeah. What do you think about all those things? Do you think that 
as an outsider, the documentary made pretty strong case that this is actually who was behind all this and the people who owned the website where <laughs> where Hugh posted so that, you know, isn't like a crazy leap and then putting it all together. Like, did, do you buy that or, at this point or does yeah, it I mean, no longer sure. even matter because it's moved beyond them? Well, I mean, I... I, I think it's 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 very interesting to think about. I mean, certainly when QAnon started, I had my own attempts to figure out who was behind it. Um, I sort of fell down uh, my own rabbit hole. And interestingly enough, a lot of former Pizzagate promoters who sort of felt left in the cold by QAnon then sort of turned their obsession to figuring out who was behind Q. So there was a lot of material out there. Um, but ultimately, I think in terms of who likely controls the QAnon account now, the best guess is, as, as you said, laid out in cue into the storm on hbo um that it's jim and ron watkins i mean i think it hasn't been conclusively proven but it probably is the best we're ever going to get i mean you have this moment in the documentary where ron watkins the son says he basically implies you know he says well this is what i've been up to with Q. you know i'm trying to you know radicalize people effectively and the filmmaker says well wait so you're admitting now you run Q?" and he says well you, you know there's kind of some equivocation there um, but but I think absent any other evidence or, or explanation, I think it is these two guys. And I think the, you know, the the best, as far as I can tell, I mean, you know, certainly the father, Jim Watkins, is is a really um, right wing guy. Uh, and then the two of them together, I think they just love they love stirring up trouble and, and sort of having this this weird little way of influencing people. Yeah, the the, the documentary is fascinating and people should check it out if they haven't seen it. Um, because I mean, they're just such strange people, this father and son. And then, but you, have you spoke, you spoken to at least a son, right? Have you sp spoken or interviewed? Uh, it, it, I've, I've, I've spoken to the father. Uh, well, okay. I, you know what? I no, I, I've spoken to them both. Yeah, you're right. Because he was, um, the son ran for Congress in Arizona. Yeah. Something that did yeah. not take off at all. Yeah. I mean, so, so these guys ran, uh, and still run, uh, I, I think, uh, 8chan, uh, which is now known as 8coon, which is an anonymous image board uh, where Q ended up posting after starting on 4chan for a few months. And 8chan also became a big place for mass shooters to post their manifestos. And so uh, Jim Watkins is in D.C. a few years ago for a congressional hearing, and I interviewed him then. And to sort of give it, give you an idea of I mean, this is not someone who is particularly tied, again, to notions of fact or, um, or you, you know, and, and very into trolling people. I mean, he wore a Q button and he had pizza socks. And I said to him, you know, I mean, this is like Pizzagate and QAnon, right? And he said, whoa, what are you talking about? I've never heard of QAnon. I mean, this is the, of course, the most famous thing on his website at this point. Uh, and then, yeah, it, it, uh, Ron Watkins, after, it's an interesting thing, after Trump lost the election, Ron Watkins sort of reinvented himself as the this election fraud hunter um, right. based on the fact that he had read the manual for a Dominion voting machine. Uh, and so he went on One American News and then he seems to have believed that, uh, you know, he could run, you know, he could sort of have a separate from QAnon political career. And so after January 6th, he had this kind of funny moment where he said, essentially, um, you know, perhaps concerned about legal liability, he said, well... Oh, well, <laughs> you know, he sort of said, well, wasn't it great making all these friends in this movement? Let's move on and, uh, you know, move on to the next thing. Yeah, it, it was almost like that joke of like, you know, the real the real treasure was the friends we made along the way. Yes, like it was the closest you. thing in reality to that joke of like, you know, we've had some great times together and let's move on. Um, yes, yeah, I, mean, I guess this is a guy who, <laughs> you know, even setting aside his his suspected involvement in QAnon, this is a guy who is you know saying in, in his in his sort of above ground persona he's saying you know uh the election was stolen you know this is the death of america all this stuff and then as soon as the heat really gets on and people are gonna start being prosecuted he goes oh well uh you know what a wonderful thing we've all participated in and so he ran for congress but you know he was still participating in a lot of QAnon activities and going to QAnon conferences and stuff like this and he, I, I interviewed him about this, and he had sort of a like a relatively mainstream political consultant. And so I said, well, you know, what's up with you still going to QAnon events? And his consultants just said, oh, God, you know, I didn't know this guy was still involved with QAnon. So needless to say, uh, he did not get very far in the race. Right. Which is, you know, interesting in a way, because if we take, if we accept that he was the figure behind this, and then you know, the mask is pulled off. He has a strange affect, this guy. He's not, you know, not someone who 
who has any charisma whatsoever. And there were clips of him, you know, like he made it to like the GOP debates. And there was this one clip where he said something and then the another person on the stage like debunked what he said in a very like forceful way. And then he was just like, oh, you're right. I got that wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> but do you remember this one? This yes, clip? yes. It was so it's just crazy to think that this like this was the guy and he's just this weird dork guy like it's just so i don't know what to make of it it's you know there's no sense to it seemingly yeah i mean that that's exactly right i mean he it is sort of in a way like both jim and ron turned out to be uh you know what a lot of people suspected q was which was the the sort of the prototypical you know troll in their mom's basement i mean in this case Jim was, you know, he owned a pig farm in, in, in these kind of weird sexual websites. Um, in, in many ways, they turned out to be much weirder, I think, than just a random person running Q would have been. But the, you know, and, and that sort of brings it up to, to QAnon as it is now, because, you know, as it became clearer and clearer that, you know, Q was just a weird little guy, that he wasn't Michael <laughs> Flynn, that he wasn't Don Jr., uh, you know, acting on Trump's behest. QAnon believers started to say maybe what maybe Q wasn't this sort of super spy that we believed him to be, but maybe he's just a very wise teacher, you know, and 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 what he taught us is real. And so maybe we're we're gonna de-emphasize Q himself uh and stop saying QAnon quite as much, but we'll still talk about um, you know, the the thousands of miles of tunnels where the mold children are imprisoned and and the elites drinking children's blood and stuff like that. Right. So so in a way, like the the real cue was the friends we made along the way. Like there's some truth to that because like the movement lived on and the relationships that people established and people who made themselves influencers through this, like most of them have, have kept going. Um, I mean, have you talked to anyone who January 6th was a turning point and they returned to their normal lives or, or they were disillusioned with it? You know, I haven't. I mean, I, I, I'm sure that, that plenty of people did. I mean, I, I, however, you know, certainly when I, I talked to, uh, you know, XQ non-believers, it's often something very, very sort of idiosyncratic. Like, like it's some particular video, like a big Q thing was saying, you know, sometime in the next month, Trump is going to say this one phrase, and that'll be a sign to Q non-believers that QAnon is real. But these are usually phrases Trump would say all the time. I mean, it's not quite as obvious as this, but it'd be like saying, um, you know, Trump is going to say something huge, right? Or he's going <laughs> to tell a story about someone calling him sir, uh, and so, I mean, these things that, you know, anyone who follows Trump with any sort of any time at all knows that he says this all the time. And so they said, oh, Trump will say the phrase tippy top uh, at the Easter egg roll or he'll say it in the month. And, and then he he said it. And then for a lot of QAnon believers, they were like, holy moly, QAnon's real. Uh, but then, you know, th there was a there's one particular QAnon believer who then stumbled upon a debunking video where you know it just showed all the other times trump has said tippy top and so that you could sort of pretty easily if you were q sort of just say oh, yeah he's gonna say this um and that's the you know tie that into QAnon. and so for this person when he saw that he thought oh oh man you know QAnon is fake and so you know and, and, it, and it's a different thing for different people but um you know I'm, I'm sure some people did leave i because of that i mean the, like i said the the inauguration really shook a lot of people up i, I talked to a woman who said she wanted to throw up um, because she just, you know, felt like her world was collapsing. So Trump is, you know, running for president once again. And on his truth social social media site, he's gotten into, like, he's now embraced. He was sort of ambivalent about it before. Like he said, I don't know what these what this is, but if they like me, I think they're great sort of thing. Um, but now he, like, retweets QAnon memes and, and stuff like that. What do you think of that? How, how is that going to play out that? Seemingly, Trump is now much more into all this stuff than, than he was before. Yeah, and, and thank you for bringing that up because, look, I mean, obviously, I wrote a book about QAnon. I think about QAnon, I think, more than the average person. <laughs> but it is wild to me that Trump is just posting about QAnon really regularly and not even in coded ways. I mean, he's just posting QAnon memes. He's posting pictures of himself wearing Q buttons. I mean, they're, they're edited, obviously, but, you know, he's posting this. He's posting about the storm. I mean when you get down to it, QAnon is, is a vision of a, of a fascist America run by Donald Trump. And so it's probably not a great sign that he's saying like, yeah, that's real. That's cool with me. Um, and so we're kind of in uncharted waters here. And, and, you know, I mean, there are some reports that he's going to return to Twitter soon. I mean, I think part of this is that it's happening on truth social. So very few people are seeing it. 
Right. Uh, but but I mean, he's also at the same time he's gearing up to imply that Ron DeSantis is a pedophile, or you know, I say imply. I mean, he's going to be saying it pretty openly. I mean, already he's saying, you know, oh, here's a picture of Ron. You know, when he was a high school teacher partying with some kids with alcohol, mm-hmm. like hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that fits right in with QAnon. And so I think this is a guy, in the case of Trump, who, you know, as we saw on January 6th, is really willing to do anything to retain or, or get back in power. And so I, I don't think it's impossible to imagine that he's going to really step up his outreach to QAnon believers. And then the, the effect of that is that it'll lead more people into QAnon. Um, when I talk to people who've had their families obliterated by QAnon, uh, they, you know, they say that that these moments where someone like Donald Trump or Sidney Powell or Michael Flynn uh, says, you know, effectively QAnon is real or or goes to a QAnon convention or wears a QAnon shirt, that's sort of a, a huge moment uh, of, of validation for QAnon believers, as you could imagine it would be. So one of the, you know, the culprits or unwitting culprits of the rise of QAnon would be social media sites that, you know, let these like Facebook groups or Twitter accounts uh, flourish in 2020. And then basically they all got banned in the period between the election and the inauguration. If if Facebook and Twitter had like taken QAnon more seriously a year earlier, do you think that would have like hindered the movement, broken the spell? Maybe January 6th wouldn't have happened. And, and what do you make of, you know, Twitter under musk has unbanned like everyone who was who had been banned including I, I assume some QAnon accounts well i guess that's two separate questions did you know what would have been possible to nip q in the bud if the mainstream social media sites had recognized it for what it was and is there you know is there a chance of a some sort of mainstream comeback i assume facebook is not bringing the QAnon people back um and they, maybe they're mostly on like telegram or other like sites that can't that don't moderate it anyway now but how do you see the large social media companies role in this sure sure i mean i i think social media companies played an enormous role in QAnon's growth i mean you know in the book i get into sort of the various aspects of it i mean fundamentally the QAnon clues were being posted on 4chan and 8chan these incredibly difficult to use websites uh particularly in the case of 8chan and websites that the average person in particular it's sort of the the classic QAnon recruit an older person uh you know who's maybe more credulous about what they see online uh that they're not going to figure out how to use a chan and so you have to have these other social media networks for QAnon people to recruit and to sort of refine these clues into into a comprehensive worldview um and so we see in the case of you know i mean just to there's so much social media stuff to talk about but you know we know that you know in these facebook leaks there was this internal facebook investigation where someone just made a an account on Facebook and liked some very mainstream, you know, and I, I sort of use that term lightly, but I mean, liked Donald Trump and Melania Trump's Facebook pages. And suddenly Facebook, the algorithm starts saying, hey, maybe you'll be into QAnon, check that out. Uh, and, you know, the, there is this aspect of QAnon believers. They use the internet a lot. They get really riled up and engage with a lot of content. And so you can see how, you know, taking any values away from it, these look like very appealing users for social media platforms. And the more people you can convert to QAnon, the more engagement you're going to have. Uh, the, now of course, there's a downside for those of us who don't own these companies, which is that it's going to really derange our democracy. Um, and that's what we saw. I mean, you know, I will also say that, you know, in the case of Twitter, Twitter was really where a lot of these sort of harassment mobs of QAnon people went down, where, you know, QAnon would post someone's tweet or, excuse me, Q would post someone's tweet or post my tweet or whoever. And suddenly you have thousands of people saying, you know, Q sent me, like, I'll see you in Guantanamo Bay, buddy, what all, all this stuff. Um, and now Elon's letting all these people back on the platform. And so every, every few days on Twitter, I'll see a guy who got banned in 2018 or something. And I'll say, oh, I guess he's back. You know, he's tweeting again. Uh, and so really, I think, um, you know, right, right ahead of 2024, I think we're going to see the, you know, again, this is another potential QAnon resurgence issue. And, and certainly it makes it easier for people to spread conspiracy theories uh, more broadly. I mean, uh, particularly if you can kind of sand off the the idea that you're a conspiracy theorist and just sort of engage more freely on the platform and sort of inject these ideas as you do it. Um, I'm thinking of a guy named uh, Stu Peters, who's sort of like a knockoff Alex Jones and after the East Palestine train derailment, he started just posting all of these random videos, some from from the train derailment, some from elsewhere, 
you know, sort of posing as this environmentalist, whereas really, I mean, this guy believes that there's serpent DNA in the vaccines to turn us all into little devils. Um, but, you know, he's getting retweeted by members of Congress. And so, you know, Twitter makes that that really easy for these people to gain a platform. So later, in one of the late chapters in the book, you talk about like Q going global or international and sort of, even though this thing was very America and Trump centric, like offshoots have appeared in in other countries. And so I think all the ones you talk about, the people who were receptive to this in other countries were uh, right, right wingers or conservatives. Um, and you also write about, is it called pink Q or something that was sort of, there was sort yeah, of a, a like pastel QAnon. Yes. Okay, that would, that was maybe more like a yoga mom, like people who had some sort of anti-vaccine leanings or something, or didn't like big pharmaceutical companies. Like there's been some, there was, there was some movement towards a more progressive left or liberal version of this, but it, but when it went international, seemingly it was like, you know, supporters of like Bolsonaro, um, or it, it, it activated right-wing people in other countries besides America. What, what about conservatism as it exists currently, like makes it so that these are the people who get activated by this sort of conspiracy theory? Yeah, I mean, it, it's fascinating that there is this aspect of, um, you know, you would think of QAnon as really sort of an American phenomenon, but it's, it's able to adapt and sort of the the would-be QAnon believers in all of these countries project their own politics and their own sort of local villains and heroes onto it. Um, so as you said, I mean, really big in, in Europe, in Japan, um, and in Brazil, uh, you know, it, it's really growing all over the world. In terms of what it is, I mean, I I think a lot of the appeal is this sort of current mood of irrationality in the American right, and particularly the, the populist right, where, you know, these are already people who are, you know, deep in COVID denial in, um, in, in all these other sort of forms of, of conspiracy theory thinking. And so, you know, I'm thinking in Germany, for example, they have this movement where it's people pre-QAnon who, who think that essentially that the current German government is illegitimate and that they want to live in the the German empire of like Kaiser Wilhelm and Otto von Bismarck and that Trump is going to, so then they just added QAnon to that and they said, well, Trump and Q are going to go rescue that from this, this current fictitious government. So you can see the way that uh, people really, they, they sort of latch on to whatever their pet issue is and add QAnon into it and sort of get even more amped up from there. Are there any, so there's a lot of anti-Semitism, like latent or non-latent anti-Semitism in QAnon and like anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. There's a sort of deep metaphoric connection or something like, especially the conspiracy theory that Jews murder Christian babies for their blood to make uh, make food and stuff. That seems like the, the adrenochrome stuff is sort of the um, modern updating of that, of like the blood libel art. Are there any Jewish, like Q Jews, are there any Jewish QAnon supporters or is this had any purchase in Israel where, where you know, Netanyahu is very much a Trump-like figure and has encouraged some sort of similar en like energies as Trump in America? It, it, it seems like that would be some real cognitive dissonance if there was Q Jews, but it does appeal to a wide range of, of people. Yeah, I mean, I, it, no one springs to mind immediately, but 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 I'm confident that there are are Jewish QAnon believers. I mean, the the anti-Semitism at the core of QAnon is, you know, once once you know what to look for, it becomes pretty obvious. But the initially, you know, you know, on its face, when you're kind of a, a level one Q believer, you're being told that you know this is a a multiracial, multireligious uh, coalition that uh, is you know, not really about hating anyone besides the the satanic pedophile. <laughs> uh, and, and and so from there, I mean, but then, you know, as you said, I mean, there's this blood libel aspect of it. There's this QAnon clue that says, uh, you know, we're saving Israel for last, essentially. So so it's like, hey, you know, don't worry, we're going to get we're going to deal with Israel. Hmm. Um, and, and, and so th that is really built into it. But I do think that that, um, you know, certainly I'm, I'm just thinking there's a lot of people I would say with that I think are Jewish, but I'm not sure. So I don't want to say that, you know, they, they, they make any assumptions. But but I think that um, that definitely the QAnon, uh, I think is, is widespread enough that there are certainly Jewish QAnon believers. Yeah, that would be an interesting person to talk to, um, I, I guess. I, I don't know. As much as any, you know, talking to anyone who's into this world is, is mm -hmm. interesting. Um, and, you know, there's a saying, I, I don't know who said it, but there's a famous saying that um, anti-Semitism is the socialism of fools. 
where the idea was like, if you think socialism is enlightened and seeing the world correctly, uh, you know, basically you're putting onto Jews the forces of like capitalism that that you object to, and a lot of it, it sort of seems like I'm going in different directions, but it sort of seems like the real the real force that people who are attracted to Q are unhappy about is capitalism. Cause there was all these ideas that like, you know, there were secret cures to all diseases that would be released. The pharmaceutical companies were keeping them hidden from the public because they would lose money or everyone's debts would be wiped out or people who were renting apartments, they would get ownership of the apartment, you know, after the storm comes. So, so sort of like the utopia, that these people were envisioning was was much closer to a like socialist utopia than a libertarian utopia which is sort of strange but like in in some ways is this like a weird reaction against capitalism by people who are on the right so they can't like <laughs> consciously say capitalism is bad does that make yeah, sense I, mean, it, I think that's a great great insight and i think that's a that quote really sums it up i mean often these QAnon believers, when I talk to them, they, they're sort of driven individually to this by, I mean, there's a lot of, of much more sinister reasons that they that they get into QAnon, but often it's because of some sort of material disaster. They have a huge amount of debt that they, or they have, uh, you know, they have a disease and they can't get, get, uh, get treatment for it because they don't have insurance. I mean, all of these sort of ills of the American system that they then attribute to, you know, well, it's this nefarious group that's out to get me. Uh, and, and often, as you say, I mean, that that's the cabal and then that that usually ends up being the Jewish cabal. Um, but, you know, often their their sort of baseline critiques of the American system are are pretty left wing and, and not entirely wrong. Uh, it's just that they're completely resistant to seeing it at, at all as, as a left wing or a socialist take. And they decide instead, um, you know, well, you know, America the, and the capitalist system is great if only it weren't for this sinister cabal that that's messing everything up. And so, you know, it, you know, a lot of their, their insights are they say, wow, you know, the rich really have too much power. I mean, they, they boil down to these things. And then, as you said, I mean, it, it just sort of curdles into this anti-Semitism. Yeah. And I think there's, there's like a mainstream version of this, which is what the GOP seems to want to really be running on like over the next couple of years, which is like this idea that there's something called woke capitalism, like capitalism is good, but there's this infection, this idea of wokeness that has gotten into capitalism. So we're, you know, we're fine with capitalism, but it's just this. It's got to be meaner. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's just this, this group, this, this like, you know, virus within capitalism called wokeness that is making it bad. So if we eliminate the wokeness, then we'll, we'll get back to pure capitalism, which is of course good. And so that is, is on the same plane as, you know, the, the secret cabal. It's just like this vague idea of wokeness has perverted the things that, you know, the woke military or whatever, perverted the things that, that we like. And once we get rid of the woke people or the woke ideology, then like they'll return to like the unblemished <laughs> golden age sort of things. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there really is this, you will just slap woke on it and say, you know, that's why we don't like it. Or, you know, as you say, you know, the, it's not that the FBI we don't like for investigating Trump, it's the woke FBI, you know? <laughs> all these things. I mean, yeah, I think that's a great comparison. So, okay. So the book is titled trust the plan and the, that message, which is, did you say it or did the followers say it originally, that, but that, that message yeah. was sort of like, stand back. Like we don't need to get involved directly because the events are unfolding and yeah. So like you can learn about it, but you, we don't really need like, in some ways, it's like an anti-political message. It's it's like don't get involved. Like, I I I have to think there were some people who were convinced by QAnon not to vote, or convinced by Trump like not to vote because the election was rigged or something. So there's this weird like like complacency aspect to it. And you mentioned this towards the end, and like, but maybe that period ended. Like people on January six certainly were not complacent. They were yeah very active. And, and then maybe since Q himself has, you know, basically gone away, people are now like, okay, now's the time for action. Like, how do you, how do you see that? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, the QAnon had all these slogans that were really encouraging complacency. So they had trust the plan. They would say, you are watching a movie. 
uh, you know, th- there's something about eating popcorn, you know, th- this I, patriots are in control, they would say. So the, all these things that I think were initially popular because as Trump's presidency got bogged down and things like the Mueller investigation and he failed to fulfill all these promises. I mean, for one thing, he didn't lock Hillary Clinton up. Um, and then, he didn't so, even build the wall. I mean, he built exactly. a little bit of the wall, but he didn't and, build that much of the wall. And so I think it's it's worth noting. I mean, the QAnon really gets popular right around that time where it's like, oh, man, you know, if, if you were someone who really got turned on to politics by Trump and you were thinking he was going to really improve your life in all these material ways, suddenly all he's done is like do a tax cut for rich guys and then, you know, and otherwise just just had all these these sort of bumbling, you know, he fired Michael Flynn, all this stuff um, that QAnon, I think, was really appealing in that way. And so every time news seemed to be bad for Trump, it was, oh, well, you know, trust the plan. You know, you're watching a movie. Don't worry about it. Uh, but ultimately, and, you know, it, you know, but the book sort of follows what happens when people do trust the plan, you know, and, and often it goes very south for them uh, in their lives. But then, um, as you said, I mean, after Trump lost the election, a lot of people started waking up and saying, you know, not QAnon was fake, but I guess Q needs my help. I guess I got to step up. And so, you know, as you said, you see January 6th where all these QAnon believers, uh, you know, including Ashley Babbitt, who was killed by police that day. I mean, they're convinced that this is their moment and they're the mob and it's time to make it happen. Um, And then, you know, afterwards, we see this idea that QAnon believers need to really step up in their own lives and, and their local communities. And so Michael Flynn, who's a huge QAnon figure, starts saying local action has a national impact. So he starts saying, you know, don't just sit online and post about QAnon. Run for school board, run for your library board, all these kind of things. And, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of this anti-LGBT backlash and this these book banning efforts, all this stuff that really pushed, I think, this um, this sort of lunatic online fringe into into their local politics what do you make of of flynn himself is he just a con artist is he nuts some combination i guess he was captured in a recording saying bad things about q but he's definitely the most if we put trump to the side (laughs) because it's hard to know what he believes sort of the, the person with the highest profile or the most institutional you know credentials who like has embraced this stuff and and he like talks at QAnon conventions. What is, what's his deal? He's like, what a weird dude. What, what do you think is happening <laughs> with him? Yeah. I mean, he, he's a fascinating figure. And, you know, if I'd been able to get more, any, any access to him, I would have loved to have written more about him. I mean, this is a guy who I think, you know, if you read other profiles of him and, and how he was in the military, I mean, this is a guy who does seem to be really paranoid uh, in a way that I think probably benefits you in the, in the war on terror military of constantly looking for these threats and these conspiracies. Um, and then once he's out of office, out of the national security job, I mean, he becomes this sort of uh, professional QAnon promoter because he's this hero to these people. He's like a martyr to the deep state. Um, and they, a lot of them think he's Q. And so he starts increasingly, you know, he's got legal bills to pay. And so he starts going from sort of writing where we go one, we go all when he's signing books, stuff like this, into uh, appearing at QAnon conventions and auctioning off QAnon flags with big Qs on them. I mean, this is a guy who really embraces Q. He film him and his family film themselves doing the QAnon oath, and then they <laughs> deny it and they say, "Oh no, that was just like a show of family unity." And now some of them are suing CNN for calling it the QAnon oath, which it obviously is. Um, but as you said, I mean, so this is a guy who's more than happy to promote QAnon, and then he's captured on tape by you know one time friend Lynn Wood, this other QAnon guy saying, yeah, I think QAnon's a PSYOP. It's created by the CIA to make conservatives look bad. So it's a very odd thing to say, you know, yeah, I think this QAnon thing's fake, uh, but I'm quite happy to take money from it. Yeah. The footsie between, like, the mainstream GOP and, and, like, Fox News and other mainstream organs and the QAnon believers, like, you're right about how often, like, in 2019-2020, powerful groups powerful conservative politicians did not denounce QAnon and that helped fuel it. And then there's like the Dominion lawsuit, which is seemingly like showing that a lot of people at Fox News are extremely cynical and treat their audience with disdain and stuff like this. I mean, how do you see it playing out like as we approach the next presidential election with like the mainstream or what's you know, what remains of the mainstream of the GOP or the conservative movement and their interaction with this group that a couple years ago they would have been like these people are jokers or these people are nuts 
Yeah, I mean, I think it really shows the power that the, this these conspiracy theory movements have within the GOP. I mean, you know, you look at Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's now this, you know, hugely prominent member of Congress, you know, one of the top fundraisers in the, the House Republican caucus. Um, and that this idea that, you know, it, you know, one example in the book is Kevin McCarthy before Marjorie Taylor Greene wins uh, the nomination for her seat. He's saying, yeah, QAnon, this stuff is obviously fake. This has no place in the party. Sort of what you would expect a, a responsible politician to say. And then once she does, and once, you know, he's got to win that seat, uh, he now says, uh, you know, about a year later, he says, oh, QAnon, yeah, I've never heard of that. Uh, you know, what, what even is that? Let, let's just move on. I mean, he suddenly can't even learn to, how to pronounce it. He says QAO or something. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you can see that, that just this idea that they really at, at best, don't want to confront it um, all the way to Donald Trump, who now is is increasingly promoting it. Yeah. And I mean, I've long thought that the, you know, the GOP treats the conservative movement like or the the base voters as sort of like, you know, Rube Safleece or, you know, people who <laughs> we can get things out of without giving them what they actually want or, you know, promising some great thing is going to happen and then just delivering tax cuts, that that sort of thing. And so this is in some ways just an evolution of, yeah, the way the GOP has, has often treated the base or Fox News has treated the base as just people to exploit, take advantage of, keep them watching, whatever. And, and this is like just, a, um, I don't know, more shamefully obvious <laughs> that they are, are, are doing this sort of, I don't know, maybe exploitation isn't the right word, but... I don't know. They're they're pl they're they should they should know better, but of of course they're not gonna act any better. And, it, and I mean, it it only um you know when you treat people like this and you give them this this red meat and and you know you tr teach them to that they don't have to live in the real world. Eventually, you become captive to that, and so you know we see that with the Republican Party, where after all this, you know, particularly during the Obama administration of feeding these conspiracy theories, suddenly they're captive to it, and the base is electing people like Donald Trump. Uh, to, you know, as you mentioned, the Fox News emails where we see someone like Tucker Carlson just terrified that Trump is going to destroy Fox by riling up his followers or all these people saying, you know, we have to respect our viewers, which, you know, really means we have to continue lying to them about the election, because if we tell them the truth, uh, we're going to we're, we're really going to pay for it. Right. And yeah, that it does seem like, you know, there was a period where. I don't know, the. The, the a liberal looking in would think, well, Fox News tells these people what to think, and they'll eat up whatever shit Fox News serves. And whether or not that was ever true, it does seem more like it's much more like the audience is demanding to be fed this garbage. Um, and if Fox News doesn't do it, or at least this is seemingly how they were thinking in that period after the election, it was like we have to feed them lies because. If we tell them the truth, they're going to go find lies somewhere else to consume, and then we lose half our audience. So yeah, it's quite a pickle um, <laughs> of people who want, like basically want to be lied to, with, you know, and then someone someone in America is going to lie to them, and so Fox says it might as well be, you know, it should be us uh, being the ones lying to them. So it's a bad <laughs> it's a bad dynamic. Do you see anything? changing in that Fox News dynamic related to this lawsuit or I mean who knows what will happen with this specifically but is it is anyone like I don't know um driven by shame or the, the viewers getting being like hey they think we're rubes or or, or or that dynamic changing in any way you know it's interesting um I think if Dominion prevails over Fox and they get this billion dollar plus judgment I mean ultimately that'll be paid I, I believe by Fox's libel insurance company so, you know, how much are they going to learn from that? We'll see. On one hand, I would have thought after Fox's Seth Rich lawsuits, you know, I, I would have thought that they would have learned from it. But I think they just sort of get in these, and, and other outlets do too, they sort of get in these frenzies of saying, you know, oh man, we got to, we got to like, the base wants this, the, the audience wants the, these, these they, they want a satisfying explanation, not just, well, Donald Trump lost. Okay, there was, the, there was COVID, there was all this stuff. But you have to say, um, you know, the election was stolen. And so they get in the, these moments where they're saying, oh, we're, we're losing. We're, you know, we're losing viewers, et cetera. Newsmax is going to beat us. Uh, and so suddenly, you know, they end up doing something like this. So, you know, it, it, it's hard to predict whether this is they're going to learn from this. I mean, you know, as we're recording this, we're seeing the prospect of new lawsuits against Fox. Uh, Ray Epps, who was this January 6th protester who Tucker Carlson, among others, 
implied was a sort of federal agent provocateur without really any evidence uh, and who has sort of had his own life ruined because now he's the guy that, you know, his one-time compatriots in the MAGA movement now see as like our enemy number one. Now he's demanding a retraction from Fox, which is sort of the prelude to a defamation lawsuit. So I, I think this, you know, this and the obviously the the hefty Alex Jones, Sandy Hook judgments. I mean, certainly there is a real uh, I think a lot of these outlets are on the defensive legally. And so I think we'll see maybe a lot more coded language, maybe a, a lot less of a specific naming of companies or people. But really, I think these outlets really are so deeply entrenched in promoting conspiracy theories. I don't think that will be stopping. Yeah. Do you, do you have a how do you view Tucker Carlson, who, in my opinion, seems like a totally cynical figure and he's very good at being on television and get having people, you know, continue to um, watch him, but seems to have no I don't know if you ever had an inner core seems to have, have lost it. Do you do you have any view, view on? Yeah, him? I mean, you know, I, I get this question a lot about these various uh, right wing media figures is, you know, how much do they believe it? And And often I think with most of the people they believe it more than than someone outside of it might think. I mean, it, it it's often I, with someone like Alex Jones. I mean, I think this is a guy who probably does believe a lot of it. Um, but then there's also a very nice monetary incentive to mm-hmm. for him to keep believing it. Uh, in the case of Tucker Carlson, I mean, I think those text messages show. I mean, this is a guy with his his eye focused on the money. I mean, he's saying, "Oh, the stock price is down." All this stuff. I mean, there really is this sense that this is someone who, you know, wants to sort of preserve his privileges and his influence. Uh, and it, and is willing to kind of keep escalating what he's telling his audience to do that. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Um, okay, we're probably at the end of our time. Is there any, or before we wrap up, is there anything else you wanna you wanna mention? No, I think that's it. Okay, so the book is Trust the Plan: The Rise of QAnon and the Conspiracy That Unhinged America. Uh, a link to the Amazon page will be in the show notes. Um, if people want to follow, you are still on Twitter. If people want to follow your mm-hmm. latest stuff where would you direct them sure so i'm on twitter at will summer s-o-m-m-e-r uh my podcast is fever dreams where we talk a, a lot about stuff like this um you know sort of the the latest developments in, in the right-wing media uh and then again yeah the book is called trust the plan so people should check it out yeah you like i said before you were on this long before most other people took it seriously so people should uh you know listen to you <laughs> you're 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 a um a trusted source when it comes to this this strange world um and you know people can follow me on twitter at reacw they can rate and review this show they can tell their friends um okay well thank you for coming back on congrats again on the book thank you to all the listeners out there we'll see you again next time